Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Welcome to another episode of ProctorCast and in today's episode we're digging into a category and a topic that is very, very relevant at the moment and really is a moving target. So I think if anyone is involved in any way, shape or form with travel, meetings or events, you're going to find this interview extremely useful as you plan into 2021, 2022 and beyond, because we're going to be talking all about what's going to happen as we come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and what's in store for the travel, meetings and hospitality industry uh, as we go forward into the future. So uh, we're recording this in December 2020. It's obviously going to go live a few weeks later. And this is very much something that is constantly changing. So just a little bit of a disclaimer at the beginning of this interview uh, before I introduce you to my guest on the show this week. So my guest is Anna Price, who runs her own travel consultancy out of Texas in the U.S., uh, Anna, very warm welcome to ProctorCast and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Awesome. So when we were having our initial chat pre-recording, I was trying to work out your accent. So uh, <laughs> tell me where you're from. Well, I'm originally from South Africa and I took a little detour through Australia and New Zealand and uh, finally settled in Houston, Texas. So as someone that manages travel and has lived in all corners of the world, uh, you're probably or definitely a good person to talk to about not just North America, but global travel in general. So I wanted to split this into a few different categories and and just being conscious of the time to keep it as concise and to point as possible. But let's talk first of all about the general trends in the travel and, 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 uh, and hospitality industry as we start to emerge with hopefully successful vaccines being rolled out. What do you see as the immediate trends going into, say, Q2, Q3 next year? Well, we are definitely seeing um, an increased emphasis on duty of care and traveler safety. That is uh, first and foremost what most organizations are focusing on. Um, short on the heels of that, we are seeing some changes in um, contract negotiations, opportunities, and uh, you know just different type of contracts the company should consider when they're negotiating with their suppliers. There's also a lot of technology improvements that are coming out of the pandemic. You know, innovation has a way of just accelerating, you know, during crisis times, uh, which is a, you know, a, a, a big welcome in our industry right now as well. And then, um, you know, just in general, we are seeing just a, I guess, a pent up demand. Everybody is just tired of sitting at home and they want to get back on the road. And, you know, it's just like, get me out of the house. I mean, just get me anywhere, but get me out of the house and just get me out of a Zoom call, right? <laughs> I think we can all empathize with that and be very, very eager to travel again. And even people who have families and don't really enjoy business trips that much. I think the first one that they actually do post pandemic, they'll, they'll be looking forward to rather than dreading. Yeah, completely, uh, completely agree there. So they're the they're the macro trends. Let's look then into the micro in terms of timeline. 
Um, when do you see various different aspects of, of business travel and business events coming back from from the industry insights and knowledge and conferences and, and intel that you get as part of your as part of your job? So what we are seeing is most, um, you know, corporate organizations and, you know, hospitality organizations are reporting, um, you know, their forward bookings and their forward trends. So we are expecting leisure travel to be the first, um, you know, opportunity or return to travel that will happen. As I said, people are just going to be tired and they're just going to want to leave the house. So we are expecting leisure travel to pick up first. And then uh, we expect business travel to come closer towards, you know, Q3, Q4, but we're not going to see it back at 2019 levels. And uh, we are also seeing some um, smaller meetings and events um, being booked for Q3 and Q4 of next year. Um, again, we're not talking about the big conferences. We expect hybrid and virtual events to um, be prevalent for at least you know, a couple of years and probably moving forward into the future. There's tremendous opportunities in um, hybrid and virtual meetings and events for companies. Um, and then, um, yeah, uh, sorry, I just wanted to jump in there in terms of virtual events. I mean, I, I think that's a really positive trend, actually. I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of virtual conferences, but I do think that if a conference is taking place, you know, and there's a lot of conferences that take, in, take place in the US that us Europeans maybe not would have would have not otherwise considered going to. But if there is a virtual option, I think that gives people a lot more versatility and a lot more options as they, as they go forward, don't they? And it gives people the choice. Absolutely. I mean, I attended the, an event um, earlier this year, um, C-Vent, which is the big meetings and events uh, company. They, they have a big platform as far as the technology for meetings and events are concerned. And they um, would typically host a, their annual conference. And, and, and this is a trend we're seeing a lot among many, many big organizations. They ho host their annual conference. And typically you'd see about 3,000, 4,000 people because that's where it's capped because of venue. Um, you, know, you would traditionally have maybe 4,000 people in the venue because that's what the capacity is for the venue. This year they took it virtual and they had about 35,000 people on the, on the meeting, um, which is incredible if you think about it. I mean, as organizations are looking to capitalize on virtual meetings, as you are saying, you can now actually have your content on your um, virtual recording site afterwards for a month. You create a continuous pipeline of people coming into your sales funnel um, and then your, your content is also a lot richer. And there's, there's so many um, interesting and fun ways they can make the experience engaging. Um, when we first saw virtual meetings come out, I, mean, I think we all were kind of like, you know, dancing in the dark a little bit. We were trying to figure out how do we make this fun? How do we make this interesting? But there's some amazing technology that have come out that you know, really keeps you engaged. And um, so I do think virtual and hybrid is, is here to stay. And I, I think it's going to be something we're going to see in the long term. And it's, it's a huge cost saving as well. Yeah. Time saving, cost saving. Just from that viewpoint, there's time and cost savings involved as well. Yeah. And it kind of depends what you want to get out of the conference as well. I mean, if you're just going to the conference because there is a particular speaker or, or you just want to build knowledge, then virtual conferences are fantastic and webinars also are, are fantastic. But if you if you want to go to network, you know obviously it's it's a much bigger challenge. So you've spoken a little bit about the tech around uh, conferences and how virtual is changing the game. Um, let's look at travel and and hospitality. What innovations do you see in the tech space there that will that will come more to the forefront as as a result of 
the fallout of COVID-19? Well, we are definitely seeing a lot more uh, duty of care um, applications that are now plug and play tools that you can overlay into your existing online booking tools. Um, They're more real time. So it actually will tell you in real time which cities are open, which cities are closed, which are in the quarantine. So that's really, you know, helpful and handy as a traveler is planning a trip. It's it's much more real time um, for the, the manager and, and the risk um, departments as well. We are also seeing a lot more companies working with um, Direct Connect under the new distribution capability where you can actually create, uh, bring in content from, say, a hotel or an airline into your uh, booking platform for your travelers, and you don't have to pay necessarily a a high travel agency transaction fee because you're actually transacting direct with the supplier. So think of it as as Amazon. Um, You're creating a marketplace where you have these direct connections, and it's actually saving um, you a lot of money because you're not paying transaction fees. A lot of um, transactions that are happening are point to point. I mean, to book a trip from Houston to New York is very straightforward nowadays. You get, you can go on uh, your airline website, you can book the trip, you can go on the hotel website, you can book the trip, and you don't necessarily need uh, travel agent handling per se. So where you can create those direct connections, I think it is um, absolutely a game changer um, you still do have duty of care that you can bring into your booking tools. So there is still that opportunity. You're not losing anything. And there will be opportunities where you will still need a travel agent. I mean, I don't think travel agencies are going anywhere because there are just some things what, that a human can think through that a computer can't think through. And it's, it's better to have a human on the other side of the phone line helping you through a complex reservation. So there are some new yeah. um, configurations that are going to come out of COVID that we already are seeing. But it's going to make it a lot more versatile and it's going to bring down the transaction cost, I guess, a lot if if you can, if through the technology that's coming in, you can eliminate the, the need for a travel agent in some instances, that's going to bring down transaction cost and also offer savings for companies that are, are willing to, to use these tech platforms and, and try them out. Oh, absolutely. And the flip side of that is uh, keep in mind for suppliers, they have to pay pay distribution costs. They have to pay to be in the various booking systems, booking tools. So where they can create that direct connection with the organization, they're not having to pay those additional costs for distribution. It's a a much more streamlined um, connection that you're having. And it's richer content. Um, If you think about your traditional booking tools, many people are very familiar with them. Um, they're a little clunky sometimes. They don't show you all the content. It, it's look, and, and, and what you can see on, the, on, say, the airline website or the hotel website, it's not the same in the company's booking tool because the content can't come across. With these new direct connections, you have much more robust um, content. And then it also has the opportunity to create these little shopping carts. So you can say, I want a room and I want breakfast. And you drop it into your shopping cart and it gives you kind of like that Amazon shopping experience. Um, so we're seeing a lot more of that coming in. So it's very exciting. It's, it's completely different. It's game changing. Um, it is still in its um, kind, of, it's kind of like in its, in its crawl shoes right now. It's, it's kind of crawling along, and, but it's picking up so quickly. I think a year from now, that technology will be something that you would expect um and it, it, you would expect that from companies in your um program you it's not going to be something that's going to be you know too hard to get or too expensive to get i think it's just going to be something that it's going to be like turning on your computer and expecting it to work 
So, so sort of similar to the UX that you see on B2C websites like booking.com or Expedia, that's going to be trans, that's also going to be mirrored then in the B2B space uh, as the next logical step. Oh, absolutely. And, and there are companies, yeah. like I said, that are already doing it. They're a little, some are a little bit further evolved with it. Um, it's not at a point where I think it's uh, globally available. It's definitely going to be a trend you're going to see in the U.S. first, probably. It's further along in development. Um, and there are companies that are already putting that technology out there. So I'm very excited about that. I think it's it's going to be a game changer. Um, would it translate into uh, lower prices? That's a big question because the distribution cost <laughs> is as expensive. But we're in this weird stage now where, you know, um, the revenue uh, you know, from hotels there, they're just not selling their room rates at the same levels before. And, you know, the airline tickets, um, our price is going to come down because of COVID. Um, that's an, another question. Is it a buyer's market? And that's an interesting segue, really, because I wanted to ask you to tell me a little bit around what you see you know, gazing into the future. And I guess nobody knows for sure, but your crystal ball is probably going to be a lot less cloudy than mine is um, looking into it from from an outsider's perspective. I mean, clearly this is an industry that's that's on its knees at the moment. And the risk is that if you kick an industry when it's down, it results then in bankruptcies and then mergers and acquisitions. And then the companies that emerge from that are much, much bigger and, and much, much stronger in terms of their negotiation um, ability vis-a-vis the buyer. Uh, so, you know, what are some of the opportunities, but also some of the watchouts that you see that could be the consequences of, you know, how the travel industry is going to look in in the years to come, uh, with with all of with all of the potential permutations of what could happen. I mean, and I'm talking really both from an airline perspective, but also in terms of hotels and and hospitality, like conferences and events too. What what do you see? Well, we are definitely seeing mergers and acquisitions already taking place. Um, you know, uh, a well-known statistic that, I, that I've quoted before is um, the American Hotel Lodging Association. They, they're reporting just over 50,000 hotels in the United States. And without government bailout, about two-thirds may not make it. And that is a, wow. a, a scary statistic if you look about it. Um, at the same time, you know, it's well reported there are many hotel companies that are defaulting on their loans, so they are changing brands. So we are seeing that merger and acquisition happening already. The same thing is also happening in the travel agency space. And then more recently, we've, we have um, heard that, you know, Hertz went into Chapter 11 and they're working through that. So um, it, it does bring up an interesting question around is, is buying from the bigger company a good choice. Should I be going with a mega travel agency? Should I be going with a big brand hotel? Or is there opportunity for me to negotiate better deals and create better value relationship with smaller direct um, relationships? And it, right. it depends. There definitely is an opportunity to go um, with the small, the smaller, more direct relationship. We, we have personally seen um, better contract results because of that. Um, but it is also an opportunity for companies to consolidate. Um, you, you can now really establish strategic relationships moving forward. And we have seen that with several big companies, uh, Fortune 50 companies here in the United States, where they've had different travel agencies around the world. They would maybe have one travel agency doing their U.S. market, a different travel agency doing their European market. They have now consolidated to one travel agency. So there are opportunities for suppliers to work with their buyer uh, counterparts to bring more value to the program. 
So I do think there there is opportunity for both sides. And also in terms of reducing tail spend as well, because this is a, a notoriously difficult category to enforce compliance on. So it because people aren't traveling at the moment, because people aren't booking events or doing conferences, if you've got a big long tail of providers across across your, your corporation, if you've got different suppliers that you don't necessarily need to have all of them essentially, then it's not a moving target anymore, is there? If there's no spend, it's an easy way to, to, to be able to consolidate those for when people come back and start doing things as we have done in the past. Absolutely. And I think the, the resistance from the traveler is less now because they are now actually looking at their organization to create a safe and secure travel space for them. Um, where previously you may have just gone rogue and book wherever you want, stay wherever you want, travel whichever way you wanted. You're now relying on your company to vet these suppliers and really vet them from a cleanliness standpoint, safety, security duty of care. Um, so we are seeing a lot less resistance, I would say, from travelers, and they're actually leaning more into and looking to to their companies to provide clear guidelines on when to travel and how to travel. It's a bigger opportunity now to adopt more of a stick approach rather than a carrot approach, isn't it, without upsetting stakeholders, because you've got really a, a legal or a health and safety mandate to, to, to sort of hide behind when you do it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely a, a good a good consequence of, uh, of what's happened in 2020. So to wrap this one up, Anna, just before we leave, um, if you could just let everyone know how people could get in touch with you if, they, if uh, they'd like to learn more and what type of services your company offers, if anyone's interested to, uh, to dig into this topic a little bit more, but just needs a bit of strategic external support to get to where they need to get to. Um, well, I'm probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So uh, that is the best place to find me. And at Procurigence, we actually provide a full suite service as far as consulting uh, on travel meetings and events. Uh, we can help companies that have no category management um, at all. We can help them implement that. We can help them do the, their RFPs and we can help them with their sourcing of their strategy. So it's full boutique service um, on travel meetings and events. And I will link to that in the show notes. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've certainly learned a lot in terms of what's likely to happen as we go into next year and beyond. So thank you for joining me. Take care. And yeah, to everyone listening to ProctorCast, thank you for listening. Thank you, James. And that wraps up another episode of ProctorCast. If you like what we're doing, then don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. We also post the video edition to YouTube. Check that out as well if you want to see what we look like. And we will catch you again next time with another great interview. Until then, take care and bye for now. <music>